What's going on everybody? Brennan Schaefer here with another episode of B-Shafe Daily, but it's going to be a little bit different this episode. And I'm going to put it in the title so anybody clicking on it should know, should be aware, that we're not going to be talking Cardinals baseball in this particular episode of B-Shafe Daily. This one is going to be geared toward fantasy football fans. I'm a huge fan of fantasy football. I play in more leagues than is good for me to do. But it's just uh, one of my favorite hobbies. It's a blast to fire it up every fall. The best part of the year is drafting and then trying to make trades and, and you know maneuver your roster throughout the fantasy football season. And so I'm a honk for it. I've gotten really into it in the last couple of years. Weirdly enough, I feel like I'm definitely more into it now in 2020. And this was true in the last couple of years as well. More into fantasy football now than I was when the Rams were still in St. Louis. When the Rams were still in St. Louis, I was a diehard St. Louis Rams fan. And that was a hard thing to be a diehard fan of. You know, after the early success with the Super Bowl win way back in the year 2000 of the 1999 season, after that it wasn't too exciting or too fun to be a Rams fan on a weekly basis when they were still in St. Louis. But I'm serious. I think I, and and, you know, for people who have listened to the podcast and, and Follow me on Twitter at bshafer12. You might have some idea of my background, but I grew up in the St. Louis area, St. Charles County area, and so growing up, I was a Cardinals fan, you know, Rams fan. Not as big into hockey, but I would would check out the Blues too, and I had a lot of you know people in my life, obviously, who are big fans of the Blues. I've adopted hockey more since I started doing sports media stuff, honestly. But uh, and, and I was a Mizzou fan ever ever before I even attended the school, but. The Rams were the one team that could always, for whatever reason, like actually get my emotions up, up in arms more than any other team. Back before I was doing sports media, back when I was a kid, I would always, I would get a set, man. Every Sunday, it was like, like my own self-torture mechanism to be watching the Rams. But now I'm into fantasy football instead. I don't have an NFL team. I didn't adopt a new team when the Rams left. I kind of half claimed the Chiefs because I have a lot of friends from my time at Mizzou that are Chiefs fans. And they made it really easy by drafting Patrick Mahomes, and so they're really fun to watch. And so I like for the Chiefs to do well. You know, I don't even, and a lot of people I feel like hate the Cowboys, either love the Cowboys or hate the Cowboys. I'm not even a Cowboys hater really anymore because I find them fun to watch. They've got Zeke Elliott, who's from the St. Louis area. Uh, I like Dak Prescott. And when it comes to fantasy, it always seems like, because I, I consider their offense to be pretty good, I've always got some fantasy players that are on the Cowboys. And so typically I'm watching their games and rooting for somebody from their team to do well more times than not. I had Dak Prescott last season as my main fantasy quarterback. And so uh, I, I really don't have a team. I just have teams that I that I root for to do well. I enjoy the you know the, the, the making the picks every week, enjoy the, the gambling aspect of it, and fantasy football for sure. And so what I'm going to try to do throughout this season is do some, some podcasts under the B-Shape Daily label. It'll be on the same feed as the Cardinals podcast unless I get so much pushback from people that hate fantasy football and don't want to look at it, they'll say, I'll stop subscribing if you do this. Well, maybe I'll have to reconsider and maybe open up my own separate football-related podcast channel. But for the sake of, you know, ease of just getting them up there and getting them out to the people, I think this is the way I'm going to try to do it. But just sporadically, when I when I feel like doing it, and, and hopefully I can do it once a week or more, uh, just pop on to kind of break down some some fantasy football. And if that's something you're interested in, definitely subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. 
and you'll be able to do that at Spotify. You can go to Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. Those are kind of the three main hubs, but we're at a lot more places as well. If you want to figure out whether the the app that you use for your podcast is uh, compatible with B-Shape Daily, go ahead and type into your browser anchor.fm slash bshafer12, and there you should be able to find all the locations where the podcast can be found. But if you're interested in fantasy football, interested in Cardinals, you're going to probably like most of the shows that we do because that's kind of the two main topics that that I think we'll be talking about. But I'll I'll make sure to label the uh, the heading, the title of the, each episode, and that way you know before you get into it whether you're looking at a fantasy football podcast or a baseball podcast. I did already post a Cardinals-related podcast talking about the team's doubleheader on Monday. They split against the Milwaukee Brewers. You can find that a little bit further down on your podcast feeds if you're interested in that. But let's get right into fantasy football from this week. Kind of talking about some of the the names that jumped out to me from across the NFL as we had week one in the NFL. Uh, Good Sunday slate and a couple of games on Monday night last night. The plan here is kind of to run through as many of the games as I can get to and then see what the time is. I tend to ramble on. And so uh, if you have suggestions, though, for, you know, things you'd like to hear discussed in a fantasy football podcast, I'm glad to take them because I'm kind of just getting my feet wet uh, trial run here to see how this goes. But I'm just going to jump right in going back to Thursday night's game last week against with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, really exciting quarterback matchup. But the Chiefs, they, they looked like, you know, they were the, the, the class of the AFC in that game. Outmatched were the Houston Texans. 34-20 was the final in that game. From a fantasy perspective, I liked what I saw from David Johnson when the Texans traded DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals and acquired David Johnson. A lot of people said, you know, what the hell are you doing? DeAndre Hopkins, probably one of the five best receiving talents in the game. David Johnson has looked a little over the hill the last couple of years, gets banged up, doesn't really produce, you know, quite the way that he used to when he was in his prime. And and what kind of trade are you making? Well, they invested a lot in him, did the Texans, and I think we saw that with the amount of touches he got in the game on Thursday, 11 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. Uh, got him involved a little bit in the passing game for three receptions and 32 yards. Uh, Duke Johnson probably a little bit of concern when healthy. Uh, I know he's questionable heading into week two for the passing game as far as taking some opportunities away from David Johnson. But David Johnson's a guy that I drafted in one of my leagues and wasn't too, too sure how I felt about him coming in, but liked what I saw against the Chiefs in that first game. And so uh, hopefully that is set to continue from the receiving side for the Texans, Will Fuller ends up uh, getting the better of Brandon Cooks coming into the fantasy draft season. Wasn't quite a sh- quite sure how to separate the two of those. I had Fuller a little bit ahead of Cooks. Uh, both of them have an injury history, but both of them have that big playability. It, but Fuller just struck me as kind of the guy that could fall into the role of the go-to uh, if he's healthy, if he's on the field, that DeAndre Hopkins had inhabited for Deshaun Watson there in Houston. And so eight catches, 112 yards, didn't score, did Will Fuller, but had a really nice game. Uh, I've got him in a 16-team league, kind of a deeper spread where he's my wide receiver three. Really happy about having him in that spot uh, for sure. The Chiefs, obviously a phenomenal effort offensively. Patrick Mahomes did his thing with three passing touchdowns. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is kind of the, the takeaway from this game. Didn't really get much work in the passing game for the Chiefs, but 138 yards on the ground, gave him 25 carries. He scored a touchdown as well. Uh, he's going to be really, really good. I feel like it's probably common for, and I know a lot of Cardinals fans that might listen uh, to some of my stuff would say, you know, I don't have anything to do with Kansas City. But I, I have found that 
in Missouri, some people on the St. Louis side have adopted the Chiefs as their team. And so if you're looking to to trade for someone like CEH in your fantasy league, you might have a hard time if he's owned by a Chiefs fan. Because I look across some of the leagues that I'm in, and that's the case. Chiefs fans have pretty much scooped up this guy in the drafts because uh, you know they knew he was going to be going to be the the main the main lead running back in that fantastic offense. And so that's what it looked like in Week One. And if he starts getting more involved uh, from Patrick Mahomes in the passing game, you can forget about it. He's got a chance to be not only like a top five running back, but he could be conceivably the RB one. You know, it's not it's not impossible that in that offense, a guy getting twenty five carries right off the bat could potentially have just a monster season. Uh, another guy who at least had a monster start to the season, Sammy Watkins for Kansas City. Not a guy that I'm necessarily expecting to you know, go off every week like he did for seven catches and 82 yards and a touchdown in week one. But uh, he's a guy I totally wrote off in all of my fantasy drafts. And so if it's me and I have him on one of my teams and I'm kind of pleasantly surprised with where he is after this first week, I'm trying to float trades for him and see who I can pick up. Like if I can get a Tyler Boyd for Sammy Watkins from somebody that saw, you know, the Bengals not look quite potent just yet with Joe Burrow at the helm at quarterback and somebody's ready to sell low on a Tyler Boyd, I would I would be trying to to get rid of Sammy Watkins just because I think on a week to week basis there are so many mouths to feed in that offense that you're you're you've got a low floor for a guy like Sammy Watkins. And he does this sometimes where he shows out and has a phenomenal game, but then he can't stay healthy or he can't stay involved in the game plan. And so uh, unless there's just a, a difference this year in, in the way he's coming through, I wouldn't be too afraid. You know, you want as many pieces of the Chiefs offense as you can get when it comes to fantasy. But Watkins is the one name where I'm like, man, if there's a, a wide receiver that I'm targeting that maybe I, I wanted to draft, but he got got snapped up in, you know, like fourth, fifth round area. I could maybe try to sell a little bit high on Sammy Watkins would definitely be in consideration for me. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, both of them around 50 receiving yards, both scored a touchdown. Not great games, but uh, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. If you've got any of those guys, there's not really a whole lot I can tell you that's going to change your mind. You, you already know they're pretty darn good. So let's move on to the Sunday slate. Uh, just kind of rolling through here. Buffalo Bills, New York Jets. That was a 27-17 win by the Bills. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, you've got Le'Veon Bell for the Jets now that I wanted no piece of this guy before the season began. When I was looking at my my you know my cheat sheets to make my, my drafts happen, Bell was a guy that whose name wasn't even on him. I said the same thing coming into this season that I said last year about Antonio Brown. I will not draft him. I will not waste a waiver claim on the guy if he if he goes undrafted. And people are like, "Well, you're crazy. Why would you do that?" Well, I just I just didn't like, you know. Sometimes you just have a feeling about a guy in a certain circumstance, and I just didn't like the way things were trending last year with Antonio Brown. Remember the helmet situation, and you know, wasn't gonna wear the helmet, wasn't gonna play, was gonna retire. This was all happening before drafts, and so I was like, you know what? I don't want I don't want a piece of him. I don't even care what round it is. I'm not touching him. Well, with Bell, you know, there, there weren't all those kinds of concerns, but you heard a little bit of rumblings ever since he got to New York uh, with Adam Gase that Gase, like, didn't want him, the head coach there. And so you just weren't sure what, what was going to play out and how that was going to go for Le'Veon Bell. And in the first game, didn't look that good, six carries for 14 yards, and now he's on injured reserve because he's dealing with an injury, so he'll be out for a few weeks. Uh, Frank Gore is, you know, apparently going to be the lead back there. Maybe Josh Adams mixes in. Not a backfield that I really want any part of unless I'm in a really deep league, like, say, a 16-teamer. Because the problem with a guy like Gore is you can go ahead and pick him up. And, and you know, to me, bench spots are very valuable. You want to roster guys on your bench that could potentially break out. And if they do, boom, suddenly you've got another upside player that you can either package in a trade for an even better player or you can go ahead and put that guy into your lineup. 
Frank Gore's case, he's probably a flex at best, and if, if you're not comfortable with him at your flex, there's no reason to stash him on your bench because he's not going to suddenly emerge into this, you know, you know, great player that you already know what Frank Gore is and has been. He's a, you know, potentially a Hall of Fame player, but on the latter end of his career and just keeps hanging on, he's he's not like a guy that's got a huge pass-catching role. And so for me, playing in PPR leagues, just not a guy I really look to. Um, the inverse of that, though, with the Jets, probably the only player that I'd feel comfortable putting into my lineup, unless maybe you're going to go Chris Herndon, had a decent game, six catches for the Jets at the tight end position, I'd be looking at Jamison Crowder. Not a guy that, you know, might necessarily cost you a whole lot to acquire if you don't already have him. But him and Sam Darnold, I've noticed since last season, have had a really nice connection. Seven receptions, 115 yards, and a touchdown for Crowder in the game on Sunday. Uh, a guy that I think I feel comfortable as a wide receiver three. You know, not a, not a flashy name, but and, and I kind of feel he's like a poor man's Robert Woods almost because it just seems like in the fantasy community, Robert Woods is somebody that just doesn't get a whole lot of attention and a lot of accolades as far as draft hype and things of that nature. But my goodness, if you just continue to plug him in year after year in your lineup as your second or even third wide receiver, if you're uh, someone who likes to draft wide receivers early and really prioritize that position and get stars there, like I kind of tend to do, Robert Woods is a great guy to have in your lineup because he's just going to keep producing. I feel like that's kind of Jameson Crowder to... And I say a poor man's his his statistics, you know, week one were fantastic. And so there's no reason to to slight him. But I think Robert Woods has the track record, has done it a little bit more consistency for uh, consistently for a little bit longer. But certainly Jameson Crowder is somebody that I, you know, I would certainly not be upset to have him as my as my wide receiver three. Uh, even, you know, maybe a 12 team league that's pushing it, but a 14 league, uh, 14 team league for sure. I'd be happy about that. Let's talk about the Bills a little bit. Uh, Josh Allen had a fine game, 300 yards passing, two touchdowns. You know what he's going to do with his legs. He's going to be a top-10 quarterback this season. Uh, matchup against the Jets is not all that difficult necessarily, but uh, certainly happy with what you saw from him there. And then on the rushing side, I think it's one of the more interesting backfields right now in the NFL. Devin Singletary kind of was a you know guy that people were hoping would break out last year. Finally, when, when Frank Gore was kind of out of the picture late in the season, uh, Devin Singletary sort of did that and had a really good finish to the season. But then they drafted Zach Moss, who you know, kind of a, a guy that's expected to take away some of the goal line carries potentially from Singletary. And they pretty much split the work right down the middle as far as the running game is concerned. Nine carries each. Moss only had 11 yards while Singletary had 30. So neither of them were especially productive. Uh, but Zach Moss did score a receiving touchdown that kind of turned his fantasy day into a little bit of a better one. We'll say Devin Singletary, five catches for 23 yards. PPR, Devin Singletary did exactly what you're hoping he would do if you drafted him. But I think long term, it's going to be interesting to see how those two kind of eat into each other as far as uh, fantasy value. Let's move on to the Packers-Vikings. That was a high-scoring affair. Packers took the win 43-34. Aaron Rodgers looked like vintage Aaron Rodgers. And, man, I even drafted him in one of my leagues. Ended up trading him before the season even started. Kind of regretting that after watching what he did in the first game uh, against the Vikings. Kind of a, a revamped secondary that definitely struggled a little bit with some inexperience in that first game. Aaron Rodgers picked him apart. People were worrying about, well, Aaron Rodgers didn't get any new weapons. How are they going to be able to throw the ball to anyone besides Devontae Adams? Well, first of all, they didn't really need to because Adams had 14 catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns, and he is the wide receiver one this season, especially after uh, a slow start for Michael Thomas and a high ankle sprain. Uh, Devontae Adams is the, the guy you want if you can have any wide receiver because Aaron Rodgers is just going to keep feeding him. And even the other two guys that you're wondering, Lazard, Valdez Scantling, which of those two might end up being fantasy relevant? Both of them were in this game because both of them caught four balls and a touchdown. Uh, Lazard had 63 yards. Valdez Scantling, MBS, had 96. Uh, moving forward, 
I feel like it's going to be a weekly battle between those two. I doubt Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to feed all three in the passing game on a weekly basis, uh, but certainly I think you could do well to have both of those guys stash away on your bench. They're going to be great bi-week flex plays in almost any league size, and potentially one of them could emerge as as a, a bona fide wide receiver too in that offense, and that would be really great for fantasy if you had him in that instance. Dalvin Cook on the Vikings side plowed in for two rushing touchdowns in that game. He's going to be a top five to seven running back just like always, as long as he stays healthy. Uh, really loved what you saw from Adam Thielen. I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit for not drafting him in any leagues this year, but he looked exactly like he always has when healthy. Last year was not a great year for him, and so if you got him on a buy low, uh, congratulations to you. The window might be closed at this point after six receptions for 110 yards and two touchdowns in the first game. Really no other major contributions in the passing game from the Vikings. Olabizzi Johnson had three for 56. Alexander Madison's kind of interesting out of the backfield, four for 30. Uh, and if you're in a PPR league, especially, boom, that's seven points right there. He ran the ball six times for 50 yards. This guy's good. He matched Dalvin Cook's carries uh, yardage on the ground with half the carries and ended up having 12 fantasy points in a PPR league. I would, man, if if I if I could try to get my hands on Alexander Madison, especially from the Dalvin Cook owner, it's a must. You absolutely have to find a way to get him if you don't already, um, just because injuries do happen, and you'd hate for an injury to be ill-timed and late in the season, and you don't have anywhere to turn to if you lose Dalvin Cook. If you have Alexander Madison, it almost doesn't matter if you lose Dalvin Cook, other than like you lose the leverage and you lose the, the bench bat. But Madison, first of all, could have standalone value as a flex, even if uh, Cook is healthy. If you don't, and and I'm telling you, if you have Madison and the Cook owners trying to get him from you, you should uh, you honestly just try to you know really drive that price up and get somebody really quality because I think Madison could be somebody that you could put in lineups even with a healthy Dalvin Cook. Interesting the way that we saw him used in Week One. It won't happen every week. He's kind of in that same category for me as like Tony Pollard uh, behind Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Chase Edmonds, I think, is somebody who you could could definitely count on as a flex. Maybe best of the group just because of the way he was used in the passing game as well in Arizona, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that continue. But on the podcast I'm doing here, I'm going to talk a lot about kind of what I think trade values of certain guys, and I think Madison is certainly somebody that, uh, you know, I would I, I may, after I'm done recording this, try to check it out and see if I can pick him up in any leagues uh, just because he's, he's a guy I like and don't really have any of. Uh, so that's kind of my thoughts on the uh, Vikings and the Packers situation this week. Moving on to the Eagles and Washington football team. Football team ended up winning that game 27-17. The Eagles looked absolutely terrible. Carson Wentz, I I, I, I couldn't count how many of the, the interceptions. Every time, you know, I'm watching on game day and flipping the channels. seems like every time I turned it on, he had just given the ball up, whether it was a fumble or an interception or whatever the case might be. Uh, they didn't have Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is somebody that I'm targeting to try to pick up right now in leagues, but I am a little bit cautious because of the fact that their offensive line wasn't healthy, and if they don't get it healthy soon, Lane Johnson's supposed to play in Week 2. But if they don't get back to some semblance of normalcy on that line, I am worried about what the offense could look like because Carson Wentz just did not look good under pressure. Great front seven for the Washington uh, football team, but he just did not respond very well to that pressure, and it lost him the game, honestly. Uh, because they had that thing kind of in hand. I believe it was either 17-0 or at least 17-7 at halftime. And football team ended up scoring 20 points in the last two quarters to kind of seal that game away. Uh, Wentz is a guy I've always liked but did not look good in that game. Boston Scott didn't quite do as much as I thought he might do as the lead man in that rushing attack. But again, it's just because their their line was a mess and they just looked decimated all day. So don't really want to look too far into a lot of the fantasy uh, aspects from the Eagles side for week one. Like, you know, 
the guys that are going to be good are going to be there. Zach Ertz found the end zone, otherwise was kind of quiet. Dallas Goddard was the tight end that they really went to. He had 100 yards receiving and eight receptions for the day as well as a touchdown. Goddard I do have as the tight end in my main league, so I was really happy to see that. Uh, Deshaun Jackson's a guy that I've also drafted a little bit of. Only had two receptions for 46 yards, but he did get seven targets. Again, I think it's just a product of how disjointed that offense was, especially in the second half, as to why Jackson didn't really do that much. I also saw where he didn't play the full complement of snaps that he will going forward. Uh, their coaching staff has said they're going to ramp him up as they go along. And so I, I'm still not out on Deshaun Jackson. Like when you look across the different uh, media outlets that put out trade charts and, and values of, of fantasy players each week, Jackson's not a guy that's I've seen got any buzz at all. Like he's not even listed on some of these charts this week. And I think that's kind of a mistake. Uh, definitely somebody that I would consider as a buy low if I didn't already have him. I'm not going to be adding shares of him this week just because I already have him in, in one pretty sizable league. Uh, but certainly I'm not out on D- Deshaun Jackson just yet uh, because I remember what he did last last season at the beginning of the year and then got hurt. Was just trying to wishing I could chase that all season long, but he just didn't really ever come back. And so not necessarily out on DJX uh, just yet. From the Washington side of things, not really very good as far as fantasy options. Haskins is not an option unless you're in a two QB league. I've got him as my third QB in a super flex. He's on my bench right now. Um, Peyton Barber, if you need a running back and you're desperate, he could fall into the end zone. But And he did that twice in the game. And so if you started him somehow, I doubt it, unless you're in like a 20-teamer. Uh, congratulations to you. You found the end zone twice. But 17 carries, 29 yards. Nothing very exciting about that. It's just, you know, if they get in on the goal line, he's an option. But otherwise, uh, you're going to have to have him fall into the end zone, I think, to be fantasy relevant. He didn't catch any passes or anything. That work is going to go to Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. McKissick was somebody I rostered just in case because he was listed as the top RB on the death chart coming into that game. He didn't do anything. Three carries, negative two yards. He caught one ball for a yard. Uh, so he's he's nothing to me right now in, in fantasy leagues because his offense is not that good. And so I'm not going to try to overexpose myself to the, to its players. Terry McLaurin, somebody I want for sure. I've got him in a league. Five receptions, 61 yards, didn't score, but he's so talented. Uh, he's got that rapport with the quarterback Haskins from their time at Ohio State. And so I feel good about McLaurin. I'm okay starting him in my lineup you know, if I if I have him as a flex, even better. But I'm I'm happy to start him in most situations uh, because I think the 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 floor is there because he's the top passing option. Antonio Gibson's the interesting name I wanted to bring up because I was seemingly grabbing him in almost every draft, but then I would trade him to people who you know the hype kept building, and so I ended up flipping him a couple of times before the season began. I still have some shares of him. I like him. Um, but it might take some time for him to be able to kind of settle into that offense. And it might just not be a very great offense. And so I'm just not sure how how viable he'll be on a week-to-week basis. But I'm happy to hold Antonio Gibson on my bench right now. If you're able to get a guy that you're really comfortable in in a a running back two slot or even a really strong flex, a wide receiver two, and you're just like, oh my gosh, no-brainer. Like, he was getting drafted sometimes in like the fifth and sixth round. If you get somebody's fourth or fifth rounder for him because somebody's trying to, you know, they think they're buying low, but in reality you say you're happy with the return, go ahead and make that trade. But I'm happy to hold Gibson for right now. Let's move along to the Browns and the Ravens. That was a blowout game. Baker Mayfield looked really bad. I'm not sure what the deal is with the Browns offense. I pretty much faded the Browns offense in all of my drafts. Wasn't looking at Baker at all. Uh, Wasn't looking at Nick Chubb. The only guy I wasn't fading is the guy that was actually my number one target in all of my drafts, and that's Kareem Hunt because, again, you think PPR – 
if I'm drafting wide receivers in the early rounds, I need some running backs that I can count on to be able to carry the load. And and the, the way they can do that oftentimes is through the passing game. You catch five balls, even if it's only thirty, you know, thirty-five yards. You don't have to even run the ball at all to still have eight and a half fantasy points. And nobody's you know jumping up and down about eight and a half fantasy points. But you take that as the floor. And I feel like a guy with his passing game, uh, you know, reliability, that is kind of his floor. Eight points a week. If he does less than that, I'll be surprised. This week he was around twelve and change carried the ball 13 times for 72 yards more carries than chubb uh more yardage than chubb on the ground which is you know chubb just has not been as involved in the passing game over the years he caught one ball for six yards and you saw from kareem four receptions for nine yards again the offense was terrible the ravens just ate him alive but i'm wanting guys that are going to get receptions and in that game script it worked out that kareem hunt caught a few more balls i think he should be around three to four you know to five catches a game and if he, he starts to do well with some of those opportunities, they'll only feed him even more. So Kareem Hunt's a guy that I definitely like, but I'm having to, to kind of make these decisions in some of my leagues where I'm targeting some of the better running backs that I didn't draft. I've got to give multiple players to get those kind of guys. Hunt is a guy that I've got to kind of make do with. Am I going to trade him in this league or that league? And, you know, what's the deal going to be? But I really like him. And if Chubb gets hurt, as much as I'm fading that that Browns offense because of Baker, Odell, I think, is a weird situation. If if, if you can get anybody that, you know, if you can get a, a good, solid receiver for Odell, I don't think you can pull Adam Thielen at, at this point. Um, or any of the Rams receivers, I would even go Cooper Cup. Uh, Robert Woods, for sure, I would take for Odell right now. I just got a bad feeling about Odell, man. It, it, it just seems like that's going to be... And I saw Mike Francesa tweet this out. Not sure how reliable this is as a trade rumor, but that Odell is looking to get out of Cleveland and the Browns are looking to trade him, something like that. Uh, I, to me, that would be a good thing because I, I just don't think it's going to work in Cleveland for Odell because he's the kind of guy that if things are going wrong, it's just going to mount and snowball, and it's not going to. He's not going to be able to turn it around because he does kind of have that diva, you know, reputation as far as a receiver's concerned. He wants to get his, and when he's not getting his, and the team's doing poorly, uh, there's not a whole lot for him to to be excited about, and so I think that can cause problems in that offense. So I'm kind of staying away, with the exception of Kareem Hunt. Uh, they scored six points in total on Sunday, so uh, if you were fading the Browns, you, you didn't do too poorly. Uh, Lamar Jackson was Lamar Jackson. Nothing to talk about there. Him and Patrick Mahomes are in a, a league of their own. I think Kyler Murray could join that league this season, but certainly Jackson and Lamar are the two, or pardon me, Jackson and Mahomes are the two. From a rushing standpoint, puts together 45 yards on the ground. That's great. The interesting thing is going to be this backfield, though, because you're not going to be able to, as much as they like to run the ball, counting up real quickly, looks like they had 20-some-odd carries for the game, close to 30, uh, over 30 as a team you're not going to be able to guarantee each week who the guy's going to be that's going to get the, the primary, like the goal line work. That was Dobbins in the first game. I have some shares of him. He had two touchdowns, but only seven carries for 22 yards. And so I would say, you know, based on that, you say, well, somebody might look at his fantasy points and say, well, he had 14 fantasy points or whatever it was. Didn't catch any passes, though. I thought he might be involved in the passing game. And I think it's just kind of hard to predict with Lamar Jackson because rather than dump it off to a running back, he's liable to just take it himself. And so that's where you might kind of sacrifice a little bit in, in PPR with your running backs. Mark Ingram, not a guy that I was targeting in drafts because of the threat that Dobbins would emerge as the season went along. Uh, you saw only 10 carries for 29 yards for Ingram in that first game, didn't catch a pass. And so not super you know excited about what he did. And if you've got him and you again, he's a guy that if you've got him and you're like, oh, shoot, I don't know what I was thinking. This isn't going the way I thought it would. I know it's just one week and you don't want to overreact. But when you look at these trades, if you can get somebody that you that you feel good about, 
do it. Like you're watching games. It's supposed to be fun when you're doing fantasy football. And so why wouldn't you, if you, if somebody's willing to accept a trade for a guy that you really like, and even if he's, you know, maybe a little bit more questionable of a, of a player and, and not as proven as like a Mark Ingram's name is considered. But at the end of the day, you want to, you want to be able to, to root for the guys on your team and feel confident about it going into the games that they're going to be able to give you some kind of floor. Like for instance, if it was Kareem Hunt or Mark Ingram, I'm Kareem Hunt all day. I had Kareem Hunt ranked higher uh, when I drafted and I, I still do. And if anybody's offering to make you that trade where you get Hunt, I would say you get the, the winning side of that for sure. And if you're the guy holding Ingram, why not float it out there and see what you can you can pull down? You know, there's no there's no risk in that unless you got people in your leagues who don't like trade offers and they get offended or whatever. I say just keep firing them away because it's the only way you can get trades done sometimes. All right, let's move on to the Jaguars and Colts. Jaguars, surprising victory there over in Indianapolis. A lot of people thought Indy maybe would be better than they were. Um, I'm not super surprised that the Jaguars won that game because I know the way it goes with Phillip Rivers. Uh, two interceptions, like he throws for a bunch of yards but doesn't always get in the end zone when he gets down there. Uh, interestingly enough, and, and you got the Marlon Mack injury. Obviously, he's out for the season, so that's going to really reshape what this backfield looks like. It's going to be Jonathan Taylor's gig for sure. I think moving forward, but Naheem Hines was relevant in this game before Marlon Mack got hurt, and and he's certainly going to be relevant going forward. Was happy to pick him up in one of my leagues um, before you know in the draft. I actually didn't draft a defense, and I instead picked up Naheem Hines. Once I had some injuries, I could put a guy on injured reserve in the slot for fantasy, and then I was able to pick up my defense or whatever and retain Hines through the weekend. And so super glad about that because now I think he's going to be really relevant. And if you're in a 12-team league and he's not already picked up and you've got, you know, if you have a free agent budget and you spend, I would be willing to spend a a decent hefty amount of it on that. I'm certainly going to put a waiver claim on Naheem Hines, even if I'm not in the top slot, hope that somebody else maybe targets like a Benny Snell or a Sammy Watkins or a Corey Davis or something and you get lucky. Hines is the guy for me because I know what the floor is going to be. I have a a good feeling week to week that he's going to catch, catch a few passes. And so in PPR leagues, that's what I'm looking at is just that nice floor with the potential for a ceiling. He scored two touchdowns in the first game, eight catches for 45 yards. I remember reading, this was before the Marlon Mack injury, earlier, like kind of in the preseason, there wasn't a preseason, but as training camp was going, Frank Reich, their head coach, said that not to be surprised if Naheem Hines has a game this year where he catches 10 passes. Like 10 passes in a game? He's not saying he's going to do it every game, but if he were to do that, that would obviously be a very viable PPR league option, regardless of how many yards he puts together. And here in game one, you saw eight. So I'm all, I'm like... I thought about would I trade Naheem Hines in the league that I have him? Like, what running back would I target to replace him if somebody's just, you know, really bullish on him? Because he could be this year's, like, Austin Eckler, where Eckler was just, when when you had Phillip Rivers in Los Angeles with the Chargers, he was just catching balls left and right. That could be Naheem Hines this year. He doesn't have to be the starter necessarily to be viable in that role, just like when Melvin Gordon was still with the Chargers. Eckler was definitely a week-to-week player that you would trust as even as high as an RB2. And so... I'm excited about Hines, probably going to hold off and take a little bit of a gamble that he can replicate it and then make my decision on, can I really trade for somebody who's like a Kenyon Drake? Like, can I really aim high with, with what I could go for? Or maybe like a Miles Sanders, if people are worried about his injury, or would I just be better suited to hang on to Hines and just like enjoy the the profit from that? Uh, 
Passing game-wise, uh, Paris Campbell, if he's available in your league, go get him. All i got to say, it's just you get a feeling about Phillip Rivers that he finds his guys. Kind of thought it would be T.Y. Hilton. There's a chance, though, that it could definitely be Paris Campbell, who a uh, second-year player could absolutely have a breakout as kind of the slot receiver in that offense. Uh, I like Gardner Minshew as, you know, he's going to have the, the, the – moving on to the Jaguars. I should have uh, segued that. He's going to have his weeks where he doesn't do much, but three touchdowns, they're going to have to sling it because I don't think their defense is that good. And they're, they they got rid of Fournette. James Robinson's going to run the ball. He had 62 yards on the ground. That's fine, uh, but I think they're going to have to throw it around, which is why I you know it's going to be tough to kind of pick their pass catchers week to week. Love DJ Chark, but you know is James Robinson going to get involved in the passing game? Uh, Lavisca Chanel. I don't know how to say his name, but. Uh, I have him in one of my leagues. He scored a touchdown. He's kind of, they, they might use him kind of like a jackknife where he could be in the backfield. He could run some some jet sweeps and things like that. They're going to try to get the ball in his hands, number 10 for the Jags, and so I kind of like him as well. Uh, Keelan Cole, though, led the team in receptions with 47 yards, five receptions, and a touchdown. Uh, so Minshew's going to sling it around. Definitely any of those names that I mentioned, you could do well to just stash them on your bench. Don't have to trust them week to week, but there could be good matchups where you see, yeah, I'm going to throw this guy out there because I've got other people on by. Um, powering through here, we're going Raiders and Panthers. Raiders took that game 34-30. to High-scoring affair. Uh, takeaways, Josh Jacobs looked really good. 25 carries, 93 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, and he even got pretty involved in the passing game with four catches and 46 yards. That's a phenomenal day. Um, you know, none of the real wide receivers for the Raiders stood out. Henry Ruggs had three catches for 55. I think he's going to be good. He's somebody I would target uh, for sure, but you might not be able to pry him away from the people that have him. Otherwise, they really spread the ball around a little bit. Aguilar, Renfro, Jalen Richard, Brian Edwards, Jason Witten all had one to two catches. And so nobody was really jumping onto fantasy radars. You're going to like Darren Waller. He's going to be a constant on that field. He's going to get a lot of snaps at the tight end position. Uh, but otherwise, Ruggs is really the only receiver that I'm super excited about uh, and I would target in trades this week. Uh, but Jacobs, yeah, he's going to be a stud. I, I really thought about going a little heavier into him than I did in drafts. Was worried about the passing game outlook, but he looked like he was going to get involved in that. And you get a guy that's got eight and a half PPR points, and that's just as a receiver out of the backfield, and then he gets the kind of rushing volume he's going to get, he could be certainly a top 10 running back or better. Uh, looking on the Panthers' side, McCaffrey was McCaffrey, 23 carries, 96 yards, a couple of touchdowns. He is going to be their offense. But I was interested in Robbie Anderson. I, this is a guy I totally ignored, and I was even kind of poking fun talking to people about you know offering him to me in trades. I'm like, I don't want any piece of Robbie Anderson. I wouldn't put him on my roster. Well, he had six catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown, so it shows what I know. But uh, DJ Moore, I think, ultimately is the guy that I expect to get the most uh, out of the uh, the receiving core there in, in Carolina. Curtis Samuel was good to see him catch five balls because I still like him as kind of more of that gadget role, the same way I talked about uh, LaVisca Chanel, however you say his name, in Jacksonville. I think that's kind of similar to what Curtis Samuel uh, could be. They Just get the ball in his hands. He's got really good speed. He was kind of a guy I was in on last year, uh, but it just didn't happen for, for Curtis Samuel a year ago. I still think he's talented. So I guess Robbie Anderson, you're, you're supposed to pick him up. Uh, if he's not rostered, he's probably rostered, and I just kind of ignored him. He was a guy that was being drafted in the mid-rounds, and I just didn't seem to care. So you probably can't get him. I'm not jumping out to trade for him, though, after a, a, you know, a career game like that, potentially the best game of his season. Moving along to the Bears and the Lions. Um, that was a game. DeAndre Swift dropping the game-winning touchdown. Uh, I was kind of not even that mad because I have him in a league or two, but he was on my bench. I didn't start him in any leagues. And that would have just been like, 
a gut punch because he, he ran a touchdown in, if I'm not mistaken, earlier in that game. Uh, checking it out. Yeah, only three carries for eight yards, but he did plow one in for a touchdown. Uh, Danny Amendola somehow doing his thing. He'll do that. Five catches, 81 yards. Um, I have no idea. Galladay was out for this game, and so it just seemed like Kenny or Danny Amendola was the guy that was the beneficiary. Uh, TJ Hawkinson's going to be good. I think you know all tight ends are, are prone to having a bad game, but I think he'll be pretty reliable on a weekly basis. If he's your tight end, you're doing okay. Marvin Jones had close to 10 fantasy points in PPR. That's fine. Nobody else was super uh, aggressive in the passing game. Uh, Quintez Cephas had three for 43. You know, I just feel like there's too many mouths to feed, and you're not going to get all of those names to be great every week, especially when Kenny Galladay returns. Out of the backfield, Adrian Peterson went 14 for 93. Like, he's so freaking frustrating because I play in PPR leagues. He's not going to catch the ball. He's not going to really be uh, – and he did. He had three carry, three receptions for 21, and so he had a perfectly nice day. I just ignore the heck out of him every year, though, and he always is just kind of floating around 10 fantasy points a week, which is not bad. Like, it shouldn't be ignored, but that's just one of my blind spots where – I feel like there are other passing down backs and he's not going to get the work. And yet he continues to kind of just do his thing. So if you've got him credit to you, cause I, I just have no piece of him. Um, carry Johnson didn't do a whole lot. Deandre Swift. It was, it was the Adrian Peterson show for the most part. Lucky that Swift fell into the end zone. That was basically, basically it. He caught three balls as well. Hoping that as we go, Swift can kind of be like Miles Sanders was last year, where as it goes along, he gets more and more ingrained into the game. Uh, into the game plan for the Lions, but I don't really trust Matt, Matt Patricia when it comes to using the proper running backs because I, back when Carrion was like the, the, the hot guy to, to really want to run and everybody wanted to use him in fantasy, it was like he would be, Matt Patricia would still be giving carries to these other random dudes, and it makes sense. Like Adrian Peterson was effective for them, and for like the kind of football team Matt Patricia wants to, to coach, I, it makes total sense that they, they picked up Adrian Peterson and he's going to get run, but from a fantasy perspective, it's just perpetually annoying uh moving on to a game that was not annoying from a fantasy perspective seattle and atlanta that was a 38 25 win for the falcons but man it was awesome having calvin ridley just continue to catch garbage time passes from matt ryan they're going to have so much of that this year because i don't think their defense is very good and matt ryan loves to sling it and he's got some really good targets julio jones calvin ridley and russell gage all caught nine balls for over 100 yards we talked about the uh, cowboys maybe being a team that could have 3,000 yard receivers well the Falcons are off to a good start with that because Ridley and Jones are definitely going to do it if they both stay healthy Uh, they had 157 and 130 uh, in that game Jones was the 157 Ridley the 130 Russell Gage kind of the slot man nine for 114 he didn't score Ridley had both touchdowns but Russell Gage is somebody that of all the receivers that did stuff in week one that I that are available in most leagues he's the guy that I'm looking at to try to put in a waiver claim on if he's available in any of my leagues. I'll have to check because that, again, they're just going to throw the ball so freaking often. Uh, Looking at the running game, Gurley played about half the snaps, looked good in the first half, 14 for 56, and had a touchdown, but they didn't really go to him much in the second half because they were trailing by so much. He only caught two balls for one yard, so disappointed in his passing game usage. But Matt Ryan threw it 54 times. So 450 yards, he'll throw some picks. A couple of touchdowns, though. I love Matt Ryan for fantasy this year because I just think they're going to throw the heck out of the ball. They've got a very exciting offense, but they're not going to win all that many games because I don't think their defense is very good. So they'll win seven or eight games, but Matt Ryan will be like a fantasy MVP potentially um, if, if he's able to continue what he did in week one, which I anticipate the game script will often allow him to do. I guess I should touch on Seattle before I jump to the next game. Russell Wilson is the man. He might be, uh, again, when I did the, the Mahomes and the Lamar Jackson tier, 
pretty dumb of me to ignore Russell Wilson because he might be in that tier as well. I loved it too. Like they just started ignoring uh, Chris Carson after he uh, did so well earlier in the game. Running wise, he only ran the ball six times for 21. But Chris Carson did have a lot of receptions last year. I I heard on the broadcaster, like, I don't know if that's going to continue. He did it last year. He had six catches in this game for 45 and two touchdowns. So fantastic day for him based on the receiving volume that he got. But, I mean, Metcalf, Lockett, I want every piece of these guys that I can get. Um, You know, Greg Olson is somebody that I should have considered more in drafts because uh, Russell loves dumping it off to his tight end. And Greg Olson's a, a veteran of this league and knows what he's doing. So he had a touchdown in that game. Uh, I'll have to check to see if he's available in any leagues because he might be a nice tight end to add to your bench, at least uh, just in case of of matchups or injury. But, yeah, Russell Wilson was Russell Wilson. Carlos Hyde actually ran in a touchdown. I don't hate the idea of throwing him on a bench just because I know Seattle does like to run the ball usually. They they threw it so much in this game because it was just that kind of game. But I, I, I really do think if, if something happens to Chris Carson, which is liable to happen, He's been injured before, kind of on and off. Rashad Penny got some run last year, but then he got hurt, so they were both hurt, and they brought back Marshawn Lynch. But in my opinion, Carlos Hyde is kind of the kind of guy they can trust. Not going to have the fumbling issues you wouldn't expect. Veteran presence. I don't love his game, but I do like the situation as as kind of a handcuff to Carson unless we start to find out more about Rashad Penny, who's on IR but designated to return so he could be back in the mix at some point as well. Uh, moving on to Patriots-Dolphins. Uh, Cam Newton was the story from this game. He's going to maybe run the ball in 15 to 20 times this year. Like, he could lead the league in rushing touchdowns, and I wouldn't blink. He had two in the first game, 75 yards on the ground. Uh, he, he's going to be fantastic for fantasy for that reason alone. I totally overlooked him. Shouldn't have done it. Not a big Sony Michelle guy, but he fell into the end zone. Uh, you know, Rex Bur- Burkhead, not somebody you care about. J.J. Taylor could be interesting. He looked really good. Only got, like, one series, uh, but had four carries for 28 yards. And he did have one catch. Interested about that, but it's just such a loaded, by loaded, I mean there's a lot of bodies in this backfield. Uh, James White as well had a little bit of uh, run, five carries, 22 yards, three catches for 30 yards. So, like, that's your kind of eight-point floor for James White. Um, I don't know that his ceiling is going to be a whole heck of a lot higher than that this year, but I did pick him up, that kind of PPR style back. If you're really hurting and you're running back, you're just like, "I, I just do not like what I'm seeing here. You could even try to buy low on James White. Like if you have extra wide receivers, trying to flip a wide receiver four for James White could be really good. I think that would be something that would make sense for a lot of a lot of people's rosters because he's he's going to I think he's going to do a little better than the eight points he did on Sunday. It's not going to be every week, but I think you can expect to see him around eleven or twelve most weeks because the the uh, Patriots only threw it nineteen times in that game. Didn't really have to throw it any more than that. They're going to want to run the heck out of the ball. Belichick will be happy to do that in a post-Brady world. But I, I do think that you're going to be able to get some passing work from James White when when push comes to shove. Like once Cam realizes the reliability that he has in that role, uh, which not to say that he doesn't already know that, but just didn't have to do it in game one, uh, I think he's going to be a really valuable player. Uh, from the Dolphins side, not a whole lot that I'm interested in. Not even going to mention any of their, their running backs because I just don't care. I don't think any of them are going to be relevant. Uh, Matt Breida now can't stay on the field, can't stay healthy. Miles Gaskin, don't really care. Um, from a receiving standpoint, Devontae Parker left that game early, and he's questionable for this week, so we'll kind of evaluate that as the week goes along. If he's out, it's going to mean more for Preston Williams. Neither of them really did a whole lot in Game 1, though. It was not a good game uh, from a passing perspective for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and so that's why you kind of saw everybody else in that offense suffer. 
Uh, rolling through here, Bengals and Chargers. Chargers got that win because Randy Bullock cramped up on the field goal, I guess, at the end. Uh, Joe Burrow did a nice job to put them in position. I like Joe Burrow's floor because of his, his rushing ability, but as a passer, he's got a long way to go. Uh, just not to say he can't do it and won't do it quickly getting up to speed, but uh, he just did not have a whole lot of upside as far as throws down the field and feeling confident about that. I'm still I'm still a guy that likes Tyler Boyd, though, and so if, if like I mentioned Boyd's name earlier in the podcast, he's somebody that I would be trying to buy low on right now just because I think he's really talented. And the rapport with Burrow is going to be there. He's just that kind of guy that you, you, you trust. And so I feel good about that. Um, from the Chargers' perspective, Austin Eckler, another guy that if, if you can try to buy him right now, now's the time to do it because he didn't really catch any passes in this game. Um, only had one for three yards, and that's what he was known for when Rivers was there. I don't think it's going to be the same story with Tyrod Taylor there. He's not going to get as many passes, and Joshua Kelly is going to take away opportunities. He had 12 carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown. And so if you had Eckler, you were disappointed, but 19 carries for 84 yards, kind of hard to argue with that volume. I think it's going to continue going forward, and he's bound to be able to get a little bit more involved in the passing game. And so uh, I still am a guy that would say, you know what, if people are, are dumping Eckler already, I'm, I'm ready to pick him up. Uh, and it not, you know, nobody's dumping him on waivers, but I think in a trade, he's somebody that you could target, uh, you know, try to send some, some lower mid-level, you know, running back twos and try to see if they can, can get a potential running back one in Austin Eckler from a receiving perspective. Mike Williams had a nice little game. Um, but I don't know that you can rely on him week to week. Hunter Henry should be fine as a tight end. He led the team in receptions. Keenan Allen. I'm a little worried about him. Uh, didn't draft him in any leagues. I just didn't know how he would hook up with Tyrod Taylor. Only four catches in this game for Keenan, not a whole lot of yards. Um, so well, remains to be seen the situation with him. But again, like you got to know your team. And if you're looking, if you have Keenan Allen, you get to decide how long that leash is going to be. If you're willing to extend it out and say he's going to be Keenan Allen or wait for that like quintessential week where he goes off and then you can try to trade high on him, that sort of thing. Uh, moving along, though, we've got the Cardinals and 49ers. This was a great game. Kyler Murray only threw one touchdown, but he had commanded this this offense, was able to run in the game-winning score later in that game. And DeAndre Hopkins was fantastic. Had a career-high 14 catches, 151 yards. Uh, didn't get into the end zone. The, that was all done via rushing. Kenyon Drake and Murray, I mentioned, uh, both had a rushing touchdown. And Chase Edmonds, actually, the, the other running back in the backfield, um, had a reception for a touchdown. He's going to continue to be involved. I'm happy to have either of those guys, Edmonds or Drake, on my roster. It's best to have both because if one gets hurt, the other is going to just see a whole lot of work. Um, but from a passing game perspective, loved what we saw out of Hopkins. He's not going to continue to get 40% target share, but he's going to be just fine. He's really, really good, and he's going to be a wide receiver one. Love to see it. I'm a big Dan Arnold guy. Only two catches in this game. I still think he's a, a nice sleeper at tight end. Um, as the year goes along, he gets a little more comfortable. I think he's going to get involved. And uh, by, you know, midseason, you might might be too late to pick him up if you haven't already stashed him away. Um, Larry Fitzgerald had a decent little game. Not going to be super reliable on a weekly basis, especially if Hopkins keeps getting so many balls thrown his way. But Christian Kirk was the guy. Only one reception for no yards. I'd be trying to trade for Christian Kirk right now as like a really ultimate buy low because I don't know if he's going to end up, you know, panning out the way I kind of thought he would this year. Um, but again, in games where Murray has to throw it 50 times, which those days will come, I think. Uh, you're going to be able to find some targets for Christian Kirk. And just because he didn't do anything in week one, that means it's the perfect time to buy on him if you still believe in the talent, which I do. Moving on to Saints-Buccaneers. 
Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, whatever. I really wasn't somebody that was paying a whole lot of attention to Tom Brady, and I said the Bucks would go 7-9 and nine before the season starts. So everybody's reacting on Monday as though, you know, the world's coming to an end because Brady lost his first game. Yeah, they lost to the Saints, who might be the best team in the NFC. I mean, what they did offensively, 34 points. Uh, defensively, I started their defense in one of my fantasy leagues, and they, they were great forcing turnovers, you know, getting into the backfield. So they did a great job. Uh, Alvin Kamara, only 12 carries for 16 yards. Latavius Murray had more, 15 for 48. Uh, but Kamara did find the end zone uh, as a rusher, and he found it as a receiver, and that's why you love Alvin Kamara. Five receptions, 51 yards, and a touchdown. That's 16 points right there in PPR leagues. That's fantastic. Even without any rushing volume at all, he's going to be perfectly fine. So love to see that from Kamara. Would like to see more yards, I guess, but it doesn't really matter if he keeps scoring like that. And uh, the big news, Michael Thomas, which I just saw Adam Schefter reporting that he could be out a couple of weeks with this high ankle sprain, which no kidding, it's a high ankle sprain. I know initially they said they wanted to see him, you know, maybe be able to play by Monday night because they play a day later this week. I don't think that's how high ankle sprains work. And if even if it did, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy that's going to look human instead of look like Michael Thomas. He didn't do anything in the first game. Then he got hurt in the fourth quarter. I'm worried if I'm a Michael Thomas owner, I would be trying to trade him, I think. But then again, like I look at this from both perspectives. If I already have Thomas, I'm trying to get somebody that I think is reliable, that I think could be a back-end wide receiver one. Robert Woods might be selling a little bit low, uh, especially if you're a team that won in the first week. And so you're like, I'm probably going to make the, you know, you don't know after week one. But if you're thinking you're a playoff caliber team, and you can kind of stem the tide if if Mike Thomas even misses up to a month. You're like, okay, that's fine. I want him when the playoff comes. But if you lost in the first week, and then you just lost Michael Thomas, and you're looking at your roster like, man, I don't feel confident in what's here. I would try to get a, an entire package for the guy. Like, if I can get Robert Woods and a, a running back two, you know, Raheem Mostert kind of guy, to have talked about Kareem Hunt. Like, if I can get a couple of good players that I can plug into my lineup – now might be the time to do it for Michael Thomas, but I it's hard for me to actually have that conversation because I don't have any Michael Thomas shares, and I'll probably be trying to do the opposite and send out feelers on guys that are panicking and say, can I trade for him because I feel like my teams are in good shape right now, and I'd love to have him for the playoff push later in the season. So if I can sacrifice you know, two, two or three flex players and somebody's really panicking about their lineup, I'm going to do that every time. We'll just have to wait and see. It probably won't get done because, uh, you know, People are like, well, no, I don't want to sell him at his lowest value. And I understand that. He was a wide receiver one by a large margin last year. But that's just kind of into the mind of the way I look at some of these trade opportunities. Uh, let's skip ahead to the Monday or the Sunday night game, rather. We've only got a few games left to talk about as we're going to roll through all of them this week. In subsequent podcasts, I might break it up into little you know, segments where you can listen to this 15 minutes at a time instead of going an hour on all the games that were played this week. But that's what we're doing today because we're almost to the end of it anyway. Uh, Rams Cowboys was very, very sad for me as a former St. Louis Rams fan who I, I mentioned was, was cool with the Cowboys these days and I needed him for fantasy. I needed him for, uh, for a little extracurricular as far as the, the uh, betting is concerned. And it didn't happen because of the, the pass interference call on Michael Gallup that I think was a total joke, but that's the kind of, uh, call star cornerbacks in this league are going to get whatever I'm over it. From a fantasy perspective, however, Dak Prescott didn't throw the ball in the end zone enough uh, to really be having a super good fantasy day. Threw one touchdown, decent amount of yards. I still really like Dak Prescott to potentially be a top five quarterback, and I'll probably in fantasy this year. I'm talking about, and I'll probably be you know on that bandwagon until it just becomes abundantly clear that it's not going to happen. I, one game is not enough for me to get too concerned about that. Uh, Zeke Elliott was great. He's always great. 
a little bit of passing game work, found the end zone that way. He was the one who caught the touchdown from Dak, found the end zone as a runner as well. He's awesome. Don't need to say a whole lot about that. I do like Tony Pollard, though. He's another guy. If you've got Zeke and you don't have Pollard, you need to figure out a way to get him because injuries can happen, and Tony Pollard would legitimately be, I'm not going to say as good as Zeke Elliott, but he would be darn close. Like, he would be a guy that I'm trusting as a high-end RB2 and, and, and could work his way into the RB1 uh, conversation because of what he can do as a pass catcher. He only caught two balls for 22 in this game, but there will be games where he is totally flex relevant, even with Zeke on the field. It's going to be during bye weeks that you're going to have to make that decision. This week, obviously, there was no reason to start somebody like Tony Pollard, but I'm just saying down the line, he's a guy that I've got on a lot of my benches because I, I just really like having that comfort and knowing that I just fell into a league winner if something happens to Zeke. So I've got him in the league where I've got Zeke, and I've got him in other leagues too. Uh, I like that Tony Pollard. And, it, you know, it may never materialize, but I think there's a chance that he's going to have some standalone value later in the season, especially when you've got bye weeks to contend with. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, really like what he you know, showed in the first game, five catches, 59 yards. That's not a ton of fantasy points, but I think he's going to be a real part of this offense. Could that be a concern for Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper? Maybe, but it just so happens that this game, Amari Cooper was the go-to guy, 10 catches for 81. And so I don't think he's going to be able to feed everybody every game. But if you start Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup, if you got one of them and you're starting those guys every week, I don't think you're going to be disappointed at the end of the season because I think they're all going to get theirs. They're just going to be like everybody where they're not going to ha- they're not going to have a floor each week. And, like, even in this game, Gallup got that last catch taken away from him. He still had, like, seven PPR points. So he's not giving you nothing. Like, there will be guys that give you nothing. I don't think any of these guys are necessarily going to go out and give you nothing in a game. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit uh, of a roller coaster. But I think there's going to be enough games that they're going to have to throw. Uh, Dallas will. That it's just going to be it's going to be okay. I like all three of those guys in their pass-catching game. Uh, for the Rams, uh, Malcolm Brown could actually be a thing. Like, the Rams have like continuity on their offensive line. And so they've got good, good running, you know, running back ability. You don't have to have Todd Gurley in that backfield, apparently to be able to have success. 79 yards and two touchdowns for Malcolm Brown. I'm a little concerned if I'm a Cam Akers owner. I think by the end of the year, you'll see Akers kind of be the guy, but Brown looked good yesterday. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Rams won that game. Brown looked good on Sunday. And so that's just going to be the way it is. Robert Woods. I mentioned him before six catches, 105 yards. They're going to feed him the ball on purpose. Jared Goff trusts him. Um, it's going to be weird between Cup and Tyler Higby. It feels like one or the other is bound to have big games. Neither of them did on Sunday. Um, but they're both going to have their huge games, and they're both going to have quiet games. This time it was quiet for both of them, seven PPR points, and that's why Robert Woods is my guy in that in that receiving core because he just consistently is a safety blanket for Jared Goff. And so I'm happy where I have him on my teams. And if you are unhappy with the floor of your receiving core, the guy to target is Robert Woods because you might not, depending on how the individual feels about him, you might not have to give up as much as you'd think because he just seems to be perennially undervalued. So I'm definitely targeting him. Moving on to the Monday night games, Steelers took the win over the Giants. Um, James Conner, concerned about that, injured again. I love his talent. I love his story. But I, I just don't know how long, if you're the Steelers, you can continue to act like he's your bell cow when he can't stay on the field as your bell cow. So even if he plays next week, like, to me, like, I'm firing him up if, if they say he's good to go. But there will only be so many more times that I'm going to get fooled doing that if I have him on my team to, before I'm like, well, maybe as a flex. Well, maybe I'll wait a week and see. Um, because you'd hate to miss the game where he is the bell cow. 
And the, the way the Steelers want to play, they're going to throw it around. Roethlisberger looked really good. Three touchdowns. Juju was the man. He was Juju. Very high on Deontay Johnson. Try to trade for him if you can. He could be a wide receiver, too, uh, when it's all said and done this season. Uh, that's in 12-team leagues, 14-team leagues. He could be legitimately a top 25 fantasy wide receiver. Would not surprise me. But Juju's going to get his as well. Had two touchdowns in this game. From a running perspective, though, they want to they want to pound you into the ground after they've already built that lead with their passing game. And Benny Snell got the chance to do that as the backup running back in that game yesterday. 19 carries, 113 yards. Pick up Benny Snell on waivers. I mean, I'm telling you, make a claim on him because I don't. I, even if James Connor's James Connor's healthy, you know that he might not be that way for long. And so I'm more than happy to to just let Benny Snell ride my bench until I feel like it's a favorable matchup or a game where it, Connor's not going to play. And then you should be able to fire him up as at least a flex, maybe even a quality RB2 in a lot of weeks because of the style of play. If you expect Steelers to have a lead and hold it, they're going to try to, to sit on it with their running back core. And apparently right now that's going to be Benny Snell if James Connor is unable to go. We'll know more about you know week two as we go along, though. I just am saying get ahead of it. And if you have Connor, you absolutely have to spend your whole budget. If you do free agent auction budget, whatever you do, you've got to make sure you get Benny Snell if you've got Connor because that could be a dicey situation if somebody takes him away from you. Uh, going to the Giants, Danny Dimes looked okay. A couple of interceptions, though. Played a tough defense and still was able to put up a good fantasy day. I like Daniel Jones this year. Uh, don't worry about Saquon Barkley's line. Again, that's a tough defensive front. He only runs for six yards on 15 carries, but got involved a little bit in the passing game to save his fantasy day. Not really worried about that. Darius Slayton, I am a believer in that. I think he's going to be able to have a nice season for them. And so if you could pick him up as your wide receiver three, uh, make a trade, whatever you got to do, I would say go for it. Last game of the day, Tennessee Titans defeated the Denver Broncos 16-14. to Ryan Tannehill, that offense in Tennessee is for real. They're just a sneaky, sneaky good team. Derrick Henry is going to get the ball so much. 31 carries, 116 yards. He even got involved a little bit in the passing game. I don't know if that's going to continue to be the case with Darrington Evans healthy. He was a scratch for this game. Kind of the, the running back that they drafted expected to kind of take over the Deion Lewis role there. Um, going to be interesting to see, but Corey Davis emerged. Uh, I'm not sure that's for real yet, but if you don't have anybody else on waivers and you don't love your bench that you like, go ahead and take a shot at Corey Davis just to stash him away, even if you're not ready to start him, because you never know. He could be, you know, there have been people talking about, could he be this year's Devontae Parker? I don't know if I can go that far, but you never know with, with the, the guy that people have been waiting and waiting to break out. Maybe this is the year that he finally does it. A.J. Brown, a little bit concerning, but I think he's going to be fine. Five catches uh, for 39 yards. I think he had eight or nine targets. He's not going to have great games every game, but I think the talent is there for A.J. Brown. I just think for people that who, that expected him to break out beyond what he did last year, they might end up disappointed if they drafted him at a rate that high, expecting even more than he did a year ago. For the Broncos, uh, Drew Locke, not a great game, but I still think he could be a viable candidate in uh, two quarterback leagues. I really like him as a, as, a, as a QB, too. If you build your roster around position players instead of QBs, he's certainly fine to put out there. Uh, Melvin Gordon, I might end up being wrong about this one because I was heavy on Lindsey. I faded Gordon. Gordon looked actually really sharp yesterday. 17, uh, 15 carries, 78 yards, and a touchdown. Phil Lindsay got hurt, and he's got a turf toe situation he's dealing with. So I might uh, end up with egg on my face with that one. But Noah Fant, I'm, it only took one game. I think I'm a believer in the connection with him and Drew Locke. Fant could be really good. Five catches, 81 yards, and a touch. Uh, Judy was okay. He had about 10 fantasy points in PPR. Uh, they scattered the ball around a little bit beyond that. Um, but, yeah, that's my takeaway. I might have got the Melvin Gordon thing Wrong, And in one of my leagues today, somebody made a trade of Tyree Kill and Melvin Gordon for Saquon Barkley. So 
curious to, to, to see what people think about that. I might even put that out as a Twitter poll because that's kind of a fun one. But that's going to wrap everything up. I am just ran through all the games today. If you have any questions about fantasy and you happen to listen to this entire podcast, send me a message or, or do a voice message yourself. Anchor.fm slash bshafer12. You can leave me a message. Tell me what to talk about, and I will gladly do it. Uh, let's get into some fantasy talk this year and kind of kind of keep it rolling and see what we think. So if you enjoyed the podcast, send me a DM, too, on Twitter at bshafer12 and say, hey, I noticed you did a fantasy podcast. I like that you did a fantasy podcast. You should keep that up because I'm going to listen if you do. Would appreciate that big time. Once again, it's at bshafer12. And subscribe to bshape daily if you're not done so already. Uh, not sure when the next time we'll do a fantasy podcast is, but we'll be doing a Cardinals one tomorrow for sure, and potentially fantasy as well, a shorter one, uh, if there's any news that comes out that needs to be discussed. So thanks once again, and we will talk to you tomorrow.